Well, good morning, everybody. For those of you I do not know, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to North Star for week two of this series we've entitled Be Bold, talking about how we can take this faith that's stirring up in our hearts and we can learn the art of being bold with that faith like the early church was. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So if you got your Bibles, turn to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2. You do Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, then Acts will be in chapter 2. We're going to look at really one verse this morning, verse Verse number 42 is where we'll be in a couple minutes. On your way in, you should have gotten a little worship guide. That will be our guide as we go along. If you've got your app out, you can go ahead and pull that out, and it has all the notes in there for you, and it will help uh, get us along here in a few minutes. But today's a big day. We love this day every summer in the calendar. Number one, tonight, 6 o'clock, we're going to gather for a picnic at Lake Alatoona at Dallas Landing. All the information is on the website site and you're going to get to meet people if you're new here to north star great opportunity to come and meet people bring you a picnic bring your lawn chairs we provide the beverages let me clarify for said they're non-alcoholic beverages all right cold ice beverage Someone like north star stepping up the game all right so coke diet coke water sort of be a letdown all right and so that's tonight six o'clock it's going to be so much fun but the best part is ca said is we're going to go down a few minutes down to the lake and we're going to watch we have well over 50 already signed up for baptism i know more are coming in throughout the day and it's it's nothing like seeing that you know we're blessed to be at a church where you see that life change happen i was talking to a good friend of mine and he said over 90% of churches in America are not growing. And I said, explain growing. He said, I would define growing as they are burying more than they're baptizing. That's scary. That isn't the case here. And so tonight we get to celebrate those. You may be sitting out there and go, man, Mike, I need to, I need to be bold. I've, I've accepted Christ. I've been in a service. I raised my hand or maybe I got saved later in life and I was baptized when I was a child and I want to scripturally be baptized, meaning I want people to know that my life represents. He lived for me. He died for me. And then he rose again for me. That's what baptism represents. And you want to do that. You can text this number. It just makes it easier. You can text baptism to this number with your name. Text baptism. You can do it out right now. Text baptism to that number with your name and we'll give you all the information, give you the link you can go to to get baptized. Baptism does not mean it is a picture of salvation. It does not mean that you get saved because you're baptized. It means that you are showing your salvation because you're baptized. When you go under the water, it does not wash away your sins because whoever gets in after you will get your sins all over them, all right? And so that is not what baptism does. Baptism is just a picture. It's symbolic of what Jesus cried. We're gonna get to celebrate that tonight. That's one reason we're really excited. Second two reason we're really excited is because we get to welcome home all our KSU students who have been away for summer and they have come back now for the next year at school and we're always glad to have them would you welcome our KSU students back home we're so glad they're here I got a college student that got to come home. My daughter, Mary Michael, has been serving, interning at a, a small little church in California that runs like 40,000 people. But anyway, so she's been out there all summer, so she's here today. And it's just great to see college students back around. At the end of our service, I'm going to introduce you to our new college pastor. I'll do that at the end of our service this morning. We've got a big event coming up Tuesday night at 7 for college students. Final reason I'm excited about today is this afternoon at 4 o'clock, there are going to be hundreds of local high school football players and coaches 
coaches that will be here for an event called POP, Power of Peace Project. They've been doing it all summer on their campuses. Today they do their celebration here, and it is a blast. A lot of the coaches go to North Star. Kit, who runs it, goes to North Star, and it's going to be a great, great day. Well, I'm ready to dive in. Ready? Acts chapter 2. This church, the early church, is in its freshest days in Acts 2. This is the beginning. Jesus has lived his 33 years here on earth. He died on a Friday. He rose again on Sunday. And for the next 40 days, he walked the earth, walked this area around him. And during this time, we know that over 500 saw him. Well, at the end of those 40 days, he looks at his 11 disciples and he says this, I want you to go into all the world and make disciples. And I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we know right after that conversation with the disciples, he ascended back to heaven to sit at the right hand of his Father. He left these 11 that days before weren't all there around the cross. They were cowards. They had walked away. They were fearful of their faith and fearful of what all this meant to them. And, and now he leaves them with this, entrusts them with this story to tell. Ten days later, there's a feast, a feast of bread. Uh, one pastor called it. It was like the modern-day Mardi Gras. All the people had gathered back in the city and Stephen, um, we know later on, is a part of this group of new believers, but a guy named Simon Peter stands up and he begins to preach about who Jesus was. And we read last week that over 3,000 were saved that day, and therein the early church began. The, the way God designed it, the way God formed it, this early church sprung up. Now, since then... We've sort of splintered off, and, and we've all seen various variations of what this early church began 2,000 years ago, and we all grew up very differently. So our viewpoint of what transpired that day was very different. So and we do this once a year because it helps me out. How many of you, when you grew up, you grew up Methodist? Raise your hand. If you grew up sort of in the Methodist denomination, good. A lot of Methodists around the room, all right? Y'all need to meet each other, all right, and find out. Y'all got a lot in common, I'm sure. How many of you grew up Baptist? You or me, all right, Baptist. I don't know if you're here because you want to be here or you just feel guilty, all right? And so I don't know. I, I grew up Baptist as well, and so um, that's, but it, we'll go on vacation, and, and we're like, you know, we're going to stay home today. I'm like, no, I need to go to church because I just feel guilty, all right? And so that's just, that's what Baptists do to you, all right? And so I did that for my entire life. Um, how many of you are Lutheran? Man, a lot of you guys. There were a lot of y'all in last service, too. Episcopalian. You grew up Episcopalian. Couple around the room, right? How many of you grew up Catholic? All right? Do they know you're gone? All right, I don't, that's a lot of you guys. I don't know if they know you're gone. It's funny, I, I did this last year. One of my goobers back there, back, Mike, raise your hand. Mike's our producer this morning. He goes to a trip to Rome. I get a postcard in the mail from the Vatican. It said, I want my people back, the Pope. All right, that's what he said. And I was like, I didn't know what to do with it for a second. I'm like, all right, that creeps me out a little bit. I don't know what to do with this. How many of y'all grew up charismatic, Pentecostal? You grew up that way. 
All right, good. All around the room, y'all didn't raise two hands. All right, so that's good. Just one, just one hand at a time. See, but the picture of that, the reason I ask that question is, we all grew up very differently, didn't we? So our viewpoint of church, our viewpoint of the way all this was set up is skewed in some ways by what we've grown up with. So rather than just say, well, this is what I believe, this is what I believe, let's go back to the early day. Let's go back to the original church and do the very best we can to model and look like what he said the church was going to look like. Would y'all stand with me today as we read God's Word together? Luke is recording the action of what's going on we know that Simon Peter preached. We know he talked to them. Remember, he looked at the crowd. We talked about this a little bit last week in B-Bowl Part 1. He looked at the crowd and he said, and you were part of having him crucified. Now, many of them probably not were directly, but he understood that the crucifixion happened because of sin. So therefore, everyone that was present, everyone present here today, we had a hand in what happened to Christ. We had a piece of the story that was on us. We know that at the end of that, 3,000 were saved that day. And we know that Peter looked at them. This was the whole baptism message last week. Simon Peter looked at them and said, now you need to go and be baptized. So don't, don't just keep your faith to yourself. Be bold about your faith. Jesus didn't die on the cross for us to live silently about what we believe. He died for us on the cross so we could be bold in our actions and bold in our faith. And we pick up verse number 42. And it begins to describe this early church. And it says, and they devoted themselves. That word devoted means they gave themselves over to. They steadfastly set their eyes on. They set their gaze. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. All of a sudden, these 3,000 Jewish believers that didn't know the gospel before this now know the gospel. This trigger has kicked up in their lives, and now they begin the process of living out their faith. They begin this journey of living out a story that's bigger than their story. See, I don't know how you ended up here, but I'll tell you your place in it. You now are a representative of a story that started 2,000 years ago, and what we do with that story matters to who sits here years from now. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Would you pray with me? Would you ask God right where you're seated this morning, whether you're seated in Compass or the Overflow or you're watching online, would you just ask God to speak to you today, would you? And would you tell him when he speaks that you'll listen, would you? Father, I don't know how you do this, but would you settle in this room with us? We believe that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and it cuts down to that place in our lives. For some of us, it's going to dig, dig deep in the area of our boldness today. God, whatever you want to do, we give you permission to do it. We ask that 
you use this time to draw us to you. And Father, I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you're seated, turn around and meet somebody around you, would you, that you may not know. Say hello to them, and then you can be seated. All right, you can be seated. You know, I love the study of the early church because the book of Acts has so much to say to us about those early days, about those beginning days. It's, it's, the, it's the story behind the story. We know what went on, but it's even more of what went on. We know that we're here today because of what happened then. And I love to know the background of it. So yesterday I was in Dunwoody, Georgia, speaking at a church, doing a, a, I did a training day for their leadership. And in the seminar, the little seminar breakout that I taught, the gentleman who founded the church 50 plus years ago was sitting in my seminar. He's just a member there at the church now. And the room that we were meeting in was their original chapel. So there was people in the, there were couples in the group that I was teaching that had been at the church for a month. And they got to hear the story from him of what it was like there when the church started. That's cool. That was cool. That was a really neat little add-on to that day. Well, why did God leave us his word? He left us his word so we could get a glimpse in to what he thought the church should look like. See, if God had wanted us to do this all on, all on our own, this is how it would work. He would have written something in the sky. He would give you an opportunity to see it and, and believe it or not believe it, and then you just go on and live your life by yourself. The very first thing he set up at the inception was the church. That's what he set up. So Jesus goes back to heaven, and they set up the church, not as a place to go to, but as a people to do life with. Very different. A church isn't a place that we just attend. Well, we see the church as 3413 Blue Springs Road. If you're not watching online, that's the, the church for us. But that's really not the church. That's the physical address of the church. But that's not the church. The church are the people, right? I mean, that's the, that is the church. I remember when we were meeting at North Cobb High School for the three years we were there, and we had two 34-foot trailers— a 12-foot or 24-foot trailer and a cargo van that if this cargo van was seen in your neighborhood, you would have hidden your children, all right? It was a skanky cargo van, but it was a cargo van. And so that was what everything of North Star was in those vehicles. And every Sunday morning, they would roll up at 5.30 in the morning and we would set up and we would do church at a high school. And at 12.30, we would pack it up, load it in and pull out. The reality was, if the church was just that, four Bubba's could have hitched up to our trailers and driven off with North Star. Well, that's not, that's not North Star. North Star is the people. The church is going to be at the lake tonight. It's going to be awesome. The church is the people. So why did God set up the church? Well, he set up a picture of what, even in 2018, we are all going to need to be bold we need three things. Number one, we need a bold, we need to be bold in our devotion to the Bible. We need to be bold in our devotion to the Bible, right? So let's, let's talk about this real quick. 
why do we open this every week? Why do we do this? All right, let me just say, if you ever show up at North Star and we quit opening the Bible to learn from, please leave because we've forgotten what this is all about. This word was left here to guide our lives to the truth we all need. There is no other book. There are great books out there, and I love great books. But this is God's word he left for us to put up in our lives to guide us in the direction we need. We need a bold devotion to God's word. What's it mean to be devoted? It means that we set our sights on it. We lay our eyes on it. A bold devotion of God's word is not coming every Sunday. That's part of it, all right? That's a piece. A bold devotion to God's word means this. It means that daily, would you write the word daily out beside number one? Daily, I take this and I put it away in here. Daily. So let's talk about this real quick. Well, Mike, do I become devoted to God's word because it makes God love me more? Nope. God loves you as much today as he's ever gonna love you. Why do I become devoted to God's word? Because the more you know his word, the more you find out he loves you and the more you love him. It doesn't have anything to do with how God feels about you. He loves you. But the more I get to know him, the more I love him. Look at the way it said it in verse 42. And they, this early church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Well, why the apostles' teaching? Because they all knew the Old Testament. They were very familiar with the Torah and, and all those things we know now as the Old Testament. They, they grew up knowing that as Jewish believers. But here's what they didn't know. They didn't know what Jesus had done. They didn't know about the Beatitudes, what we know as the Beatitudes. They didn't know about the miracles. They didn't know that Jesus didn't say, that he said, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to complete the law. And so it was like a piece of the puzzle they knew was missing that finally they all just started catching up on going, man, I didn't know. And they couldn't get enough of it. Well, why did God leave us his word? He left us his word because it's everything that we need for our lives. So I've been walking with the Lord for 35 years. Not every day in those 35 years have I spent time in God's Word, but a lot of those days I have. And can I tell you something about it? It's amazing how He gives me what I need right when I need it. I don't know how many of y'all have ever been doing a devotion before, and it's like you read something that day, and you're like, God, that, I needed that. How many of y'all that's happened for you before? It's crazy, isn't it? You're like, I've read that a thousand times and it's never meant anything to me. And I read it just then, it was like, boom, that's exactly what I needed. You know what that comes from? There's a verse in the book of Lamentations. I know all of y'all got up and read that this morning over coffee, right? In the book of Lamentations, there's a verse and it says this, his mercies are new every morning. It's amazing how God's spirit can take that word and put it right in our lives but it doesn't come when I visit it it comes when I devote myself to it see when I devote myself to it I have a tendency to get off track right I'm a little scattered my mind pings from one thing to another when I lay out God's word in front of me it gives me something to walk to every day that a bold 
devotion to God's word. It was a must in their lives because this was all new to them. Mike, I don't even know where to start. We have a little app. It's on our, it's on our um, app page. There's called Digging Deeper. It's a little devotion on our app. It's on our website. You can go to. It'll help you get started. It's a day-by-day journey off the sermon from Sunday. It's a great starter for you and your walk. Maybe you go to the U version. A lot of you, number one app in the world is the U version app. Maybe you go there and download a plan. That's what I'm doing. I'm going through the book of James with a pastor named Matt Chandler out in Texas. He did a study through the book of James, and I'm going through that personally right now. It, it helps me every day line up my life. We need a bold devotion to God's word. This church's health will be directly associated to the depth of God's word we dig into. Does that make sense to everybody? If it doesn't, I'll keep going. I got all day, all right? And so I got to be back here at four, all right? So we need a bold devotion to God's word. But number two, this group had a bold devotion to one another. We need a bold devotion to one another. I want you to write a little thought under number two. I was not created. Would you write this down? I was not created to do life alone. I was not created to do life alone. It is the picture in the very first church, in the very first days when they came to know Christ, they connected their lives with one another. And all throughout Scripture, love one another, forgive one another, encourage one another. You know how we know somebody needs encouragement? They're breathing. If they're breathing, they need encouragement. Life ain't easy, is it? We need encouragement. Everybody's going through something. Here's the hard part. Hard parts of all we do is sit in rows on Sunday morning. We'll never know the people. And we'll shake hands and how you doing? And, and we'll notice if somebody's hair begins to disappear in the bald spot. We've been sitting around them long enough that we're like, they don't have as much hair as two years ago when this thing started. I wonder if I should break the news to them. We, I mean, we see that, but we don't know their name. We don't know their story. And here's the crazy part. We're sitting there on a Sunday morning next to somebody who's going through a tragedy. We don't even know it, or we're going through a tragedy, and they don't even know it. And we feel so alone. It's amazing how God walks into our lives through others. So this group begins, this early church, and they didn't just gather together in a corporate meeting and sing and worship, which is awesome. And by the way, I think we have the best music in the world. Would y'all agree with that? These guys are amazing every Sunday, every Sunday. It's just incredible. It doesn't matter who's up here. They're incredible. But if that's all there is, man, what gets me through the other times? One another. This group devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and they devoted themselves to the fellowship, the koinonia, this, this word of they came together as one. Everybody look at me. You can't do this life by yourself. If you do, if you do, it will always leave you wanting more. But when you do this life with others, it changes everything. Listen to the story, would you? Hi, I'm Rick Butker, and I've been coming to North Star for about 11 years. All my kids are grown. I have 
two children, two stepchildren from a previous marriage, and, and they're all grown, and now I've got grandkids, which is what I've always wanted. And I'm Giselle Butker, and I am actually originally from Arizona. Um, like Rick said, we're a blended family. We have five grown children between us and six grandchildren. Hi, I'm Zach Fisher, uh, born raised here in Kennesaw. And this is my wife, Jessica Fisher, from Cedartown, Georgia. Nobody knows where that is. But anyways, we have two kids, um, three and five, and we started coming to North Star about five years ago. Um, and we really just kind of felt a little lost, maybe not um, plugged in. So we wanted to join a group and try to just really get connected. And we really haven't looked back since. Before coming to North Star, I was in a small church and I knew everybody either by sight or by name, most, most everybody by name. And then here it was not that way. And once we got to doing the small groups, that was the tipping point. We'd walk down the hallway and we knew people. And that was a big thing for me. That was huge because I felt like I was more a part of a family. I got to know them. We didn't just make acquaintances, we made friends. We had all these friends in our wedding and everybody moved away to different states. and. Uh, you know, nobody's close, uh, but, but this group of people had, had kids and they were young in their marriage and it was just amazing to, to be able to, to, to create and make memories with new friends. I think it's amazing how God just ordained this group of people that we do have and over the last couple of years, uh, I think every single couple, every single family represented in our group has either lost or gone through a tragedy. So it's just amazing and to see those prayers answered and just the peace that uh, having a family around you when you go through troubled times. You know, we always do praises and prayer requests, and if you've seen, if you've seen all the prayers answered, you would be amazed. It, it has been a real revelation for me. Triumphs, tragedies, and we've had both, and it's been, and all of our group members have had those, and we're, well, I think it's a miracle. We really just wanted to um, join a group that would almost hold us accountable um, and that we could really get plugged into and just discuss life with and grow with. And I think we've found just that. I mean, we're, we're really involved with our friends and we call them friends now. I mean, it's not just a group that, oh gosh, we gotta go on Sunday, we gotta do this. We look forward to it and we have fun and we kick back and relax. and. We made the decision, went for it, and we really met some some friends that we've hung on to. And um, I mean, we call some of them our best friends now. And if anyone's nervous, I say give it a try. Over time, you will find not just acquaintances, but you will find friends. That's a fact. Would you guys thank the Butkers and the Fishers for sharing today? That was really interesting. Both of them used that phrase, we found friends. Um, I, I love a definition I heard it years ago of what a friend is. A friend is somebody walking in when everybody else walks out. And there's times in life that you feel like everybody walked out. And we need those friends, man. I remember the year 2017 hits, and I think it's going to be a great year, and we're excited and, and excited about all the stuff in store for that year. I didn't get a memo or a, or a text in advance telling me that in the span of three to four months, I was going to lose both my mom and dad unexpectedly. I didn't, I didn't see that coming. 
They were healthy and great, and life was good, and I'd go see them on the weekends every now and then and talk to them on the phone and talk about the Braves and talk about life, and I didn't know that was going to come to an end so abruptly. And I remember standing on two occasions in a span of a couple months at Moel Funeral Home in Fayetteville, Georgia, watching my friends from my small group walk through that door. And I wasn't leaning just on my own faith. I was borrowing a little bit of theirs. And I don't know what I'd have done without them because I needed them. And they didn't have anything necessarily to have to say to me. They just hugged me. And the thought they got in the car and drove 60 miles in the middle of a work day to stand at my side to tell me they love me, that's a friend. And that's what this church is full of. Great people. Don't do life alone. Maybe you're here today and you go, Mike, I, I need to get in a group. We have men's groups, women's groups, couples groups, singles groups. We have college groups. We'll talk about it in a few minutes. We have uh, high school groups. They begin next Sunday night in homes. All the information is on the website. We have groups for children. We have groups for everything. Why? Because we weren't me meant to do life alone. The early church did it, so we do it. We just figured if God said that was a good idea, let's get in on what he had as a good idea. It seemed really healthy. Here we sit 2,000 years later because it was a good idea. Number three, ready? We all need a bold devotion to the Lord. We all need a bold devotion to the Lord. We need to say, God is mine and I am his and I am going to be bold in my faith. L listen to the way that it said it there. To the breaking of bread and prayers, they, they united together and said, we are going to grow together. We need a bold devotion to the Lord. Here's what's so crazy to think. 2,000 years later, we sit in this room because somebody lived out a bold faith in front of you. Somebody. May have been a mom or dad. May have been a grandma or grandpa. May have been an aunt or uncle. May have been a friend. It may have been a coach. I almost fell off stage. It may have been a coach. That was dangerous. I was about to get bold. All right, and so... Uh, drink too much Diet Coke on the way in this morning, but we all need a bold devotion. Lord, here's what I will tell you. Somebody else is counting on your faith. If your faith is silent and hidden, maybe they never find their way home. We need a bold devotion, Lord. God has done a great work here over the past 21 years, but it's nothing compared to what he wants to do. But it takes a boldness on our end be the people that God created us to be. And I wouldn't be a friend to you if I went, oh, yeah, 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 just man, whatever you want to do. No. The journey begins with boldness. That's faith. But it continues in boldness as we grow up in our faith and become the men and women God created us to be. Would you pray with me? Right where you're seated today. Would you evaluate before the Lord how bold your faith is? Would you? You doing life alone or you got a group you're doing it with? Just take a second and evaluate where you are.
Then I want you to tell God where you want to be. What kind of life you desire. Father, my prayer for these people sitting within the sound of my voice, whether they're on physically our campus or they're on our online campus. God, I pray they connect with you and they connect with others. That's my prayer. They were not created to do this thing alone, not in the early church and not in today's church. We need each other and we need you. Father, may this be a bold church. God, may we not play defense, but God, may we play offense. Move that ball of faith down the field. For some in our offices, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, they may not know who you are, but because of our bold faith, they may find you. So God, today, thank you for our opportunity to dive into your word, to talk for a few minutes about what you did and what you're doing and what you're going to do. Father, it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.